Hey, everyone. Welcome to episode number 80 of the Lift Free and Diet Hard podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Coates. In the intro now, I have to be careful because I've launched a second podcast and I want to bring it to everybody's attention. It's called Forever Strength. And my co-host is my partner in the project Forever Strength. Her name is Bailey Lau. And it's a bit more of a shorter podcast with uh, practical, everyday, basic information. So it's a little bit different than this one, whereas this podcast invariably ends up being really cool conversations with people in the industry, what's made them successful, and, uh, and it and ends up speaking to coaches. But uh, if you're interested in the other podcast, shoot me a message on Instagram. But anyway, an example of that is uh, Brandon Sen. He is the VP of Athlete Experience and the head coach at Kabuki Strength, which is a brand I've certainly looked up to and uh, I certainly think is one of the premier brands and growing brands in our industry. So uh, we're going to get a little peek behind the curtain. It's great to have you on, Brandon. Oh, Andrew. Thanks, man. I'm super excited to, to be finishing my day here and chatting with you. I held you up for a little bit of an extra, uh, you know, maybe a, close to an hour or so, but I appreciate you taking the time. Yeah. You, and, you and I were initially connected through my friend, Daniel DeBrock, who is one of your, uh, your team. And he had recommended me to you to appear as a speaker in uh, Kabuki Education Week. So that went down in January. That was a smash success. I loved it. Um, and I appreciate the opportunity. So let's let's actually dive into that a little bit because that's a that's a big event and these virtual events are, are starting to grow now, but you guys started to set the bar for it. What goes into putting together an event of that scale? And I, I, but I guess because my own appearances and a lot of speaking engagements have grown, and I know there's a lot of interest in this sort of thing, for coaches who are interested in putting themselves in that position, what goes into finding speakers for that event? What sort of criteria is important to you? Yeah, that's a really great question. So this last year was our second annual uh, Kabuki Education Week, and we'll, we'll annual we'll, we'll do it again this year. Um, when we did it, we launched it during uh, kind of the peak of the pandemic when there weren't a lot of in-person events going on, and we were we we just decided to to ask a bunch of our friends and colleagues if they'd like to come together for a week-long event and speak. Um, so it is, it's the Kabuki Education Week. It is quite literally a week long. We invite anywhere from 50 to 60 speakers who we curate. Um, and, you know, they, they're typically, um, you know, with this level of an event, we, we try to bring together like some really interesting people and then some people who also, you know, weren't, you know, they didn't all say the same thing, which, which was important. I really, really enjoyed your talk this last year. Um, and we, we hope to expand further beyond even just like, you know, the general fitness type talks, you know, they're hour long talks where we hope to, um, to, to delve into other areas, but yeah, it, it was awesome. And, and as far as like what we look for, like the person, um, they have to be interesting, I think, number one. Um, and they have to, you know, I don't, doesn't matter if they're like a really great speaker or anything like that. They, they just have to, you know, kind of want to come and, and share something of what they know. And they, you know, have to be somewhat of a, of a leader um, in their space, or at least kind of looked up to be. You know, we, we've had, you know, pro strength coaches on there. At, at, uh, we've had researchers, uh, we have coaches and trainers and, you know, they all have something, you know, kind of unique to offer. And that's, that's really what we look for. 
Um, and then the, the first year that we ran the education week, we just kind of looked at who we kind of looked up to um, in the industry and, and people who we thought would be a great fit. Uh, the second year we did the same thing, uh, but then we also asked speakers who they thought would be a good fit. And that's really how we built it. And that's, that's how we'll do it again. Uh, Andrew, you, you, you sent us a lot of um, really great um, uh, choices. And, and unfortunately, by the time that I, we were kind of at that stage, we were you know, we are pretty full, um, but we'll be doing the same thing this next year is, is, you know, we find that, you know, there's so many people out there that, that we might not intimately know, but our speakers know it. It's a great way for that whole group to, to network and to get exposure. And it's very, you know, most speakers sit through a lot of the other um, uh, um um, speakers as well. So it's great to get exposure um, for them and, and to kind of learn who else is out there and uh, what ideas they have. If, if you're a coach who wants to get involved with it um, or events like that, um, you know, you, 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 you kind of have to have something that you can offer them, you know, in terms of things that are interesting. And because we're, we're not, you know, we, we typically don't look for just like, I don't, I don't want to discredit anything that anyone does. So I, I don't really know how to phrase that, but they just have to be kind of like, I hate the term thought leaders too. Um, I always think it's, you know, uh, I think it's kind of silly, but they, they kind of have to be that person who's, you know, you know, kind of a, a leader in that space. So um, yeah, I, I, there's by nature of having, you know, 60 people come together um, we're afforded to have a very diverse set of like people from different backgrounds. So there's, there's not one type that we look for. Um, in fact, over time, we're, we'll probably try to in, look for intentionally look for different types of people um, too. So I don't really know if that's a good answer, but <laughs> it's a great answer. And it parallels. So I somewhat frequently get people, you know, asking and, so, and often it's people that I have never met before um, just show up and go, Hey, are you looking for podcast guests and all this sort of stuff? And, and I always politely say no. I, 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 as a default, if someone asks to come on the podcast, I say no, but really my de decision criteria for finding guests, it, I, I rarely explained it publicly because I kind of have been keeping it a mystery, but I'll kind of reveal it here because it parallels this. Is it someone who has developed a pretty strong reputation in education within the fitness industry, right? Yeah. So oftentimes, not every single one of the guests I've ever had is a speaker at events. The vast majority of them are. That's a really good bar. Um, a good example of an exception recently, I just had Eric Roberts on the podcast. So Eric mm -hmm. has a larger social media following than virtually anybody else who I've ever had on here, especially with the explosion of his TikTok, which people might be like, okay, that's silly, TikTok song and dance. This guy's reaching a lot of people and he does it at such an extremely proficient level that he's an authority and very, very skilled in that space. So it made for a really good conversation. But what I try to nudge people into doing is, and it's any coach who's asking me about career growth, it's what are the things that you can do to, and this is what my presentation was about really for, for Kabuki is look at all these people in the industry that you look up to, who you admire who you would listen to on a podcast and what put them there? The, the publications that they've written for, the fact that they put effort into their own writing. Uh, do they host a podcast on their own? Do they have a very successful YouTube channel? Have they built or worked in a leadership capacity for a reputable brand in the industry? That's a very big part of you, right? Your VP within Kabuki Strength, right? That gives you credibility. And, and that's the first box to check as to why you're, you're kind of here. And these things don't happen quickly or overnight. And a lot of people, I think, 
they they think, okay, well, if I only appear on these podcasts, or if I if I get to speak at one of these events, that's going to make me. No, no, no. It works in reverse. It's you do all the other work, and it may take quite a bit of time. So that way, you're establishing all this credibility and authority, and these are the key words here, to the point mm -hmm. where people start asking you to appear regularly on podcasts, or you get yeah. asked all of a sudden do speaking engagements. And I love what you guys are doing with Kabuki because um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with my friend, Nick Lamb, he's, uh, you know, yeah. getting to speak more and more. And he's the guy behind him and his pal partner, Derek Mendoza do raise the bar, which Chris was, Chris Duffin was just at this where I actually got to meet and hang out with Chris. But Nick also does the recovery and sleep summit, which is also a big virtual event over four days. And like yours, I gave him a long list of people that I think are really great from different kind of backgrounds. And this is not something I'm interested in people seeing or getting credit for or whatever, but I like taking people. I think, Hey, these are proven educators, awesome people may not necessarily have large social media followings. Let's connect them up and get them in front of more people. And I absolutely love that. And I'm not interested in waving it around like, Hey guys, give me points for doing this. I just like helping people. Yeah. That's right. Because those are the people that you don't, you don't really find unless you know them. You know, you, there's, you know, for every high profile strength coach online, there's 20 that are better that you'll never hear of because they're, they're not active. You know, I I've called uh, over time. I, I used to be a whole lot more active in social media than I, I currently am, but there's, you know, there's a lot of guys like, you know, not, not to say like, like myself, but a lot, a lot of people who, who aren't super active anymore, but are still like doing things at, at, at a reasonably high level. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's a, I think it's really important that if you, you know, if you do know people like that, that, yeah, give, give them a seat. Well, you just hit on something that I wanted to go into. And it's the fact that, you know, now with your role with Kabuki, mm -hmm. you, you know, you're not aggressively engaged with social media to the point where you're trying to grow an individual brand. Was that the opportunity with Kabuki created in such a way that you no longer felt you needed to do much with social media or is Kabuki just so demanding of your time that you don't want the dueling competition of the things. And I'll even throw this sort of question at you. You know, let's say tomorrow you could start the day with a million real followers, engaged followers. Would you even want that given where you are with your career? That's a good question. Yeah, that's a good question. I, I have some opinions on that too, but uh, I think it's a little bit of everything you said. Um, I, Social media to me, uh, when I started it, was always kind of a means to an end. Um, I'm not so interested in having a big following. I know a lot of people who have big followings and I know how their days work and I don't really want my day to work that way. That's a big motivator for me. Um, I also have found that, and this is just me, that I, the more that I focused on my own social media and it's just my mentality of, of how I went about it. I just felt less grounded in my, in just my every awareness and, you know, every, everything else I was doing. And that's, that's not, I don't know if that's by nature of social media or not, but I honestly was, I was always interested in sharing ideas about things. Um, I, and I've actually wanted to get back into social media to do that because I'm finding that um, I'm just, I'm interested in a lot of different things than I was when I was coaching, you know, 50 plus people all the time. And, and, you know, when I was so engaged as a coach, I still have clients, but I'm not really, I only really take on people that are like, you know, that I think would be fun to work with at this point. Um, 
you know, and I also, you know, I'm, I'm really focused on our company's social media. You know, it's, I, I don't, um, so it would be really hard for me to be so focused on both of my own and in our, in our virtual coaching or supporting those things. So if I had a million followers, I would not know what to do with them. <laughs> to, to be honest with you, um, I would hope it's, uh, I, I just know the, like our coaches here are, are fantastic. They're, you know, not a lot of people know of them, but they are some of the smartest people that I've met. You know, um, they might not have formal education, but uh, some of them do, some of them don't. But some of them are starting to get slightly bigger social media followings. You know, at, for a long time, I, I had the biggest in our in our coaches circle at like 6,000 people in my, it's weird because I, I really, I don't post anything, but my, my follower count is slowly going down. <laughs> like, I think people just remember me and they're like, Oh yeah, I don't like that guy. I want to unfollow him. But I hear like some of the things that they, you know, they're like, how, how do I respond to this guy who says this thing? And I'm like, man, like if I had a million people and you know, 1% of them were, you know, that person, I, I would probably personally struggle with it. So if I had the opportunity to have a million of them, I honestly would, I would not know what to do. <laughs> and I've posed that question kind of in my own mind. And, and my answer is no, I would not want 1 million followers mm-hmm. because I've now tipped past the point where I understand just how much of your time and your focus and how troublesome it can be to be, for lack of a better way of saying, almost like there's a, a, addiction, sort of a tricky word, but yeah, yeah, you've gone yeah. into it because you have to be very intentional with how you embrace it. And in, in an effort to engage, I notice that I'm on it more than I want to be. Now I coach full time and I'm thankfully very busy that that pulls me out of it. And you know, I didn't deliberately didn't draw attention to something that happened recently, but I bumped up against a sort of a, an echo chamber within the industry. It's a small mm-hmm. echo chamber that have a very different philosophy about how to create content and engage. And their attitude is misinformation is bad. So therefore, I mean, this may be straw manning it, but our tactics of tearing down and attacking and swarming uh, mm. accounts and people who do not capitulate because this person said something that we didn't agree with. Uh, even though in, in the particular example that I first saw, it's a friend of mine who I, I think is very well-intentioned. So this community didn't like a post that I made basically highlighting how this behavior is still bullying. Now, I'm big on countering misinformation, really, really big on it. I just don't think that it helps in the grander scheme of things to have a group that, well, if someone does something you don't like, you post them up and then of course the minions go in and into attack. Mm-hmm. So I sort of had to fend a little bit of that off and it, it, it was stressful and a bit of a distraction. And thankfully it all worked out fine in the end because, you know, I don't want all these other young emerging coaches to be afraid of this kind of behavior. Mm-hmm. And they seem to celebrate creating that fear around people. So that way people won't post misinformation. They're sort of, that's the yeah. right now. And it's a tricky thing, but my, my attitude is, I look at, you know, someone like a Sam Spinelli and this example I've given Sam's a friend, Sam's got 400,000 followers and Sam every once in a while will take a direct shot at a verifiable charlatan, right? He'll mm-hmm. sometimes, you know, counter something that I, I'm not going to say names, actually, fuck it. I'll just put it out there. Like not a lot of people are love squat. You super popular brand, whatever, but the guy behind squat, you, you know, from what I've seen posts, a lot of things that are, you know, 
fear of movement, kinesiophobia, right? So Sam has sort of taken the high road and countered some of the things directly. And I've seen him you know, do other things, but Sam overwhelmingly posts really positive, direct information, and he's built a massive following with a good attitude and it's gonna reach more people and help more people. Whereas his reach combined is vastly larger than this entire echo chamber ecosystem that mm -hmm. is, you know, behaves in this way. So, I mean, we all have different philosophies, but, you know, I look at this sort of stuff and I realize like with my following, which is, you know, just on the edge of 45,000 right now and growing very rapidly, um, I, I fully believe it'll easily hit 100,000 within a few years. I'm just going, holy shit, this is a lot to deal with. I can't imagine what a million yeah. feels like. It, be crazy. Who's, who's wishing for this sort of stuff. You don't understand what's coming with it. Yeah. But I think the real thing here is, is accumulating the things that back it up. So again, I think if you're interested in, in developing, uh, becoming a speaker, educator, having a, 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 becoming a quote leader in the industry, you might want to back it up with something a little bit deeper than just social media. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. you have to a point where you want to step away from your social media. Yeah, well, I think you have to do it right too. Like my, I think everything you just said is is exactly right. I saw some of the stuff that you had posted recently on that too, and it did kind of click with me too. Because I I see, I I get jumping on people for like thing, misinformation, but more important to me is like is the intent of that person sharing their misinformation. If they genuinely you know, if they're, I, I, I just never, I never see it as like such negative intent. And as like, you know, I, I feel like I'm very much a coach at heart. I'm like, okay, I want to then coach that person versus like rally the, the troops behind it. I, I, I understand that, you know, controversy is a very easy way to become popular. It's just not how I would want to become popular on social media. And I, you know, to everything I'm saying too, if I was running my own business, I would be aggressively focused on running my social media very well um, and growing it as rapidly as I could, but not, not growing it so that I grew it with a counter group that didn't like me, you know, because for every big profile that you have who has a big opinion, they grow their following, but they also grow a following that really does not like them because of the way that they handle things. And so I, you know, I, I wouldn't, I would never encourage somebody to, to, to go that route, but yeah, I think everything you said is, is exactly right. And again, there's going to be different people with different philosophies. And, and I think what underpins it all is most people value mostly the same things. It's just sometimes those things that we value are in different proportions, which can yeah. seem like on the surface, very different approaches. And well, you know, one of the last things to say on oh, social media, well, unless you ask me another question, uh, <laughs> is uh, I think it's such a poor medium too. It's it's a great medium for connecting, and it's a it's a great media for keeping you on the the medium. But if you have a conversation with one of these people who you different opinions, you probably more or less have the same opinion on on a lot of it, there's there's big you know draw drawing lines in the sand people but so many coaches are going to say the exact same thing and and if, if it's presented in a certain way to them they're likely to agree in in more areas than not and i don't think that that's highlighted in social media and ultimately with this incident and again i, I deliberately didn't want to draw a lot of attention to it because i felt okay if the coaches that follow me saw this then they would become very fearful about posting things and i think the vast majority are over overtly well-intentioned uh I did make the effort to have a conversation behind the scenes, which I think is important. 
mm-hmm. um, because I think when you're being combative and aggressive on in a public view, I think the goal really is more about making a display of proving that the other person is wrong versus a genuine yeah. attempt to create communication. And another tactic that sort of appeared with this is you know, going in very, very aggressively, even if it's potentially valid counterpoints, if you go in very aggressively and then someone, I mean, I deleted comments because I felt that the approach was very aggressive. And then of course, all of a sudden my profile and my post is being shared up in these, in these stories with the deliberate understanding and attempt to drive their followers in to attack and harass, which then is what happened. So any of the accounts that directly harassed, gone. I blocked them, deleted their stuff immediately. I don't tolerate it, don't care why. Um, but one of the, the key figures in it, I had a very nuanced, thoughtful conversation and realized we actually see the world mostly in the same way. We just kind of prioritize slightly different tactics, which made peace and made the problem more or less vanish. And the other thing is, if this happens, guess what? If you don't react, if you just kind of let it go, they'll burn themselves out. They got, they'll move on to a next target and they'll keep up what they're doing. And they, they'll mostly forget about you. Right? Yeah. You know, it's, it's dogs barking at each other through a fence. Uh, you there's so many like kind of funny videos that, that go around of like two little dogs going after each other. As soon as the, the fence is open, they're like, ah, well, okay. Let's let, and, and then it closes and then they're right back at it. You know, that, that's, Social media, in a sense, for a lot of people, is is that fence, unfortunately. Totally, right? And imagine, you know, I, I am, Chris Duffin is a really bloody nice guy. And can you imagine, I'm sure occasionally someone pops up and probably runs their mouth at Chris, you know, even as nice as he is. Yeah. I would love to see that same person stand face-to-face with Chris in person and say the same thing. I don't do it. Yeah. Don't do it. Never in a million years. So uh, let's have some fun here with this one. Um Ultimately, you've accomplished a lot in your career, and I know you you came through as a competitive powerlifter, you know, and you've done writing. There's writing on your website. Uh, what's the value system behind what you've achieved, and where do you want to take your career? What are your goals? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question, um, and I, I do find that right now I'm in a pretty transitional point in my what I value or what motivates me. Um, the number one thing that I am is for sure a coach. Um, but I'm not just a coach of powerlifters anymore. You know, I'm, I'm much more interested in leadership, um, right now and, and kind of running our business, um, than I am in, in learning more about strength training and, and, you know, cause I, I am, I'm just very realistic too. Like I, I'm not, I'm a very, I feel like I'm by nature, very humble, but I, I know, I feel like I know a lot about training. I feel like to know the next 5% of nuance would take more time than I'm willing to put into it. And I don't think it would deliver any more than what I'm capable of delivering. So it's more of a, it's more of a point of diminishing returns for me. Like I'm, I'm, I'm someone who has a lot of hobbies. Once I feel like I've figured out a, a lot of it, I, I really feel like I want to, you know, tread lightly on, on how I talk about myself because I really do not have a, any, any form of ego. But I, I just find that if I, I'm very curious by nature too. So if I, if I get to a point where I'm like, yeah, okay, this is kind of how it works. And I'm, I'm usually like on to the next thing. But 
I'm very passionate about helping people. Um, I'm very passionate about helping um, youth athletes um, and, and, and coaching people who want to be coached. And that form now, you know, that's that's what I've done the past 10 years here um, and, and through my career. And now it's it's my my role as a coach is turning more into a leader for our team and for our business. That's what I'm, I'm motivated the most by now is is learning those skills, learning what, um, you know, being a better leader is. Um, and figuring out, you know, there's so many parallels between running a, a business and, and periodizing a training plan the, the, from, from the point of inception to the point of, you know, your competition or your testing date is all very similar. It's just in a, it's just in a different pen stroke. So I'm very, very interested by that. Um, and that's what I find, you know, with, with, with what I, I've been very fortunate in my career too, to more or less do what I want. Uh, a lot of it's right time at the right place. You know, I was, I was in the gym that started as Kabuki strength, you know, there, I could very easily be off doing something else. Um, but I've been very fortunate with that. And I'm, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm now I've, I feel like I've always been a coach. I've always been a very empathetic leader as well um, with, with my clients or, or with others. And that's something that I'm, you know, I'm, I'm trying to develop more skills now to, to coach other people in different ways. And, and for that is to me as leadership. So that's, that's what I'm most interested in, in now is, is becoming a better leader. So you hit on something big and I wanted to bring it back to it about how many people will continue to study the things that they already know. They'll stay within their comfort zones. Right? Yeah. Maybe it's, it's various aspects of movement or, you know, the core skills, the technical skills of training. Right. And how many people have sat down and read a book about coaching? And I'm not talking about another book on how to coach a roommate, uh, you know, the, the lower body movement systems or like, you know, any of the, the technical training aspects. I'm talking about the language. Like, let's look yeah. at uh, Nick Winkleman's book, The Language of Coaching, which honestly, it's one of my favorites. I've talked a lot about. It. I've had Nick on. Got to hang. He was at the at Raise the Bar as well. And. I really enjoyed that book. Now, the first section is so neuroscience heavy. And again, I've done post-secondary you know, uh, life science and, and physics in university, at least one year of it before I pivoted to business. So this is not stuff that I like last saw in grade 10. But that to me was, okay, that's, that's challenging to read. That, that's tough. Okay, good. It stretches me out of my comfort zone. And this is the key here, stretching you out of your comfort zone. But then when we get into, you know, the science and, and everything he talks about queuing external versus internal queuing and analogy and stuff. I'm like, this stuff's fantastic. This is really helpful. I've never heard it presented in this way before. Yeah. And I like reading books on various aspects of business, various aspects of coaching, marketing, and the things that you know, aren't necessarily taught to trainers early in their careers. Leadership, what, uh, you know, you strike me as someone who's probably reading about the stuff. You know, what are some of the books you've enjoyed on leadership? You know, I... The one that I have, I might have it in my bag. I might have left it at home. Um, the, the one that's been the most important for me is the four disciplines of execution. Um, and if you ask me what the four disciplines are now off the top of my head, I couldn't tell you. <laughs> but, um, you know, there's a, there's a big difference between planning things, over planning, um, thinking you're being productive versus actually being productive and actually executing. There's a massive gap between those things. You can be busy and feel productive and get nothing done. 
Um, and that's something that uh, I had to learn uh, at one point. I'm still it's because so many things that, that take your attention. But it's 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 a very easy trap to fall into and to, and to not make progress. So I think that's you know that is probably the most important one I would say that uh, for me that that has helped. Oh, I haven't talked about books nearly as much on the the newer version of the podcast. Last eighty episodes versus the old one fifty when mm-hmm. Guido was uh, still my co-host, but. I mean, there's a whole bunch of leadership books I like. And then there's some that I kind of think, all right, this is really for kind of someone who's probably in your position where you have a, a lot of people under you. But I really like uh, Simon Sinek's uh, The Infinite Game. And just in terms oh. of big picture perspective on, you know, kind of the business you want to be in, the legacy you want to leave. So that one's a big one for me. I'm a big fan. Yeah, yeah. I'll have to look that up. I, you know, I love to collect books and I hate to finish them. And read them. Uh, I... You know, I'm also, I get into books and I, I kind of feel like I know where it's headed and I'm like, well, I don't know if I want to spend the time doing it, but there's other ones that are really captivating and, and interesting. I, I used to be very interested with like books about systems and organizing things and, and, and the likes. And, and I found that they all say the same thing, you know, more or less, like every once in a while you get something that's kind of off the cuff. I'm like, ah, that's there's some stuff here. But a lot of it is is regurgitated. It's all the similar processes of plan, do, and deploy, or whatever the, you know, the you know, kind of pick your flavor of that. Um, but yeah, I, 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 you know, I would be very. I certainly don't feel like I'm I'm a master of many things. I'm not a master of leadership, but it's 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 something I'm very interested in right now, at least in in the current phase of my career. You probably learn as much just by simply immersing yourself in. The work that you're doing yeah and, yeah you know leaning on the people skills that you've developed and th- that you continue to work on and develop right because you're responsible yeah. for both a team their livelihoods and that team are individually responsible for the roster of clients that they have so there's a big cascade yeah. of the people whose lives you are directly impacting i would tell you right now uh, i you're exactly right and i actually learn so much more from my wife than I have from any books. So it, it's funny. She's, she's a very high achieving um, professional um, in the corporate setting. Um, and she works currently with a team of 200 uh, people that she leads. And uh, I, I always feel like a small fry when I talk to her, because we have our kind of modest, you know, yeah, more or less startup company here. And so I, I go, go to her with like ideas. And then she's like, no, no, no. Like, here's how like these things work. And I'm like, Oh, okay, cool. It's, it's always, so, you know, for any good, like thing that I think of is, is she's usually a sounding board for it. So I, I've, you know, she's helped me with more than any other point of formal education or, or book ever has for sure. So I think one of the underpinnings to this entire conversation is, you're going to get a very robust experience um, and a lot of knowledge and information if you get a diverse array of ideas from different sources and different people and you're receptive to and open to those experiences. Yeah. I always think too, like, I think that's gaining, gaining more experience is so, so important and having diverse experiences with people is very important, but it's, it's so important to, to have an objective view too of like trying to understand uh, where they're coming from 
um, or why they're saying what they are. Because you can learn a whole lot more about what something what someone says if you can understand intent than just what their words are. And that that to me is something that I'm I'm always trying to 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 be mindful of. Is okay. I hear what you're saying. Well, why? What? And I'm not necessarily going to ask you why are you telling me that because that sounds combative. But I'm trying to understand your motives for telling me the thing you're telling me because very rarely people are so clearly expressive of what they want from you or what they think. And you have to develop some of these soft skills for interpretation. Um, and that, that's what you get as a coach too. And that's, that's why I really, I think, you know, uh, a, a good coach should be a leader and a, a good leader should be a good coach. I think, and I think that's why I enjoy both of those things. This has been a real pleasure to talk to you. I want to make sure yeah. that people know how to find, because as you said, you know, you, you haven't necessarily been, crazy active with your social media yeah. to this point, but you're interested in it. Where can people find more of your work? And obviously it's the sort of thing where, I mean, I don't want 50 people knocking on your door going, Hey, I want to be a part of Kabuki education week next year. But the reality is, is that, you know, valuable connections of people who've worked really hard to put themselves in that yeah. position. Um, you know, I, I want people to, to know who you are and it may create great future opportunities for them because they may be very valuable to you in the future. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't mind people emailing me. My, my email is brandon at kabukistrength.com. Um, I do not as much in-person speaking uh, this year as I have previously. Luckily, our, our team here is fantastic and has been able to step up and lead a lot of our in-person events. Uh, but I have various speaking events I do. I'll, I'll be at the next Nick Lamb, uh, his next, uh, um, I can't remember the name of the summit. It might be the, another recovery summit. I just in had May, a I think. He's literally the last guest. And yeah, I was nice. with him. We were talking about this. It's like, when are you going to rename this thing? Because it's the Recovery and Sleep Summit. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, the topics are so vastly beyond that narrow niche yeah. that yeah. he operates in that he's like, thinks he, know, he knows he needs to like rebrand it, right? Because Kabuki Education yeah. Week has a very broad umbrella. And so he's very aware of it because I mean, this thing's got to be a big event too. There's a ton of good speakers. And mm -hmm. for anybody who is listening, so you're in the lineup, I'm in the lineup. This yeah. thing is running May 12th through 15th virtually. Shoot me a message. I'll literally give you the link for it. Uh, easy because, hey, it's free. And yeah. I'm going to shout this one out too. If anybody is in the Minneapolis area or looking for something in person, I'm, uh, I'm giving a small talk. It's a shorter one at the Resistance Exercise Conference. So Brad Schoenfeld and Stu Phillips are two of the headliners. My pal, Luke Carlson, who was on recently, he's kind of the head of this thing. And it's a really cool event, uh, and I was really honored to be invited down to come in and speak at it. So if that's something that you're interested in, I would love to see you there. If not, come check out me and Brandon on Re uh, the Recovery and Sleep Summit. That'd be great to have you guys. Yep, that should be a lot of fun. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Still have a whole lot of work to do to figure out what I'm going to talk about, but I'll figure out something. <laughs> Mine is 99% done, and I was having trouble with the flow at the conclusion. And then I was in the shower today, and it's like, click, click, boom. And all of the missing pieces just fell. It's a beautiful out. thing. Yeah. That happens to me like right before I'm about to fall asleep. I, I always have to have like a notepad near me. So I'm like, write, write that down. So brain doesn't have to remember. Yeah. And actually it's funny because this is in my presentation. My presentation for this thing is uh, it's about growing an engaged social media follower. Right. And I get nice. it falls to it too. We go over that, but there is a little section there about idea creation and it, like in the shower. And I, I read this mm -hmm. somewhere once. And it makes so much sense. It's pretty much the only place that we don't 
take our cell phones anymore. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And some people put literally will stick them on the wall and they've got them in the fucking shower, which is to me yes. wild. But I, I think that may be part of it, but it's, it seems to be a very fertile ground for, for ideas. And I've noticed it's mm-hmm. me and, and I've come up with article concepts in the shower a lot and uh, it, it just been good. So don't skip your daily yeah. shower. Yeah. <laughs> for more reasons than not. <laughs> for, yeah. For a lot of reasons. Um, and then uh, your Instagram for people to find you there. Uh, it's just Brandon uh, underscore Sen, S-E-N-N. If anybody happens to want to connect. Awesome. I hope they, I genuinely hope they do. Uh, I am, I am passionate about these connections across the industry and people knowing about people who are doing good work. All of the big things that have happened in my career, uh, I just got a, I saw an email pop up from my editor at Muscle and Fitness Magazine. And I'm like, holy shit, I, I, I never even dreamed of writing for Muscle Fitness. Now that's a reality. I've got an article, a second article in the works there. And that's a connection because a bunch of people who I've met in my travels who become my friends, write for mm-hmm. them or have connected and then turn around and created that connection that I embraced when the opportunity yeah. was. I, I know you're, you're trying to, to kick me off here, but <laughs> that's the, the, that, what I was just going to say, it's actually really important. Uh, for young coaches, uh, it's something that I didn't realize until much later on in my career, but networking is one of the most powerful catalysts you have. And it's not like going to a, a cocktail party and trying to make small talk. It is, it is about, you know, trying to make sincere connections with people, but I didn't understand networking until probably a few years ago. Cause I, I was, I was, uh, unintentionally of the mindset, well, I, I could just do this. I can do this. I don't really need to ask somebody or talk to, you know, I don't need to consult or, you know, make, you know, talk to this other person about this, but you know, it's, it's it, networking is very, very important. I think if, if you want to grow as a, as a coach and a, as a business for sure, just as you said, I mean, uh, there's so many opportunities that you would never think are actual possibilities that, that will fall into your lap because of it. I'll give a specific example, right? I have a ton of speaking engagements. It started in August of last year. Before that, I wasn't doing anything. And then Kabuki, and then uh, several more coming up. And I went to a few events in 2017 is when I started. And at uh, an event in Kansas City, I met my friends Jeff Aker and uh, Tim Arndt. Now, those guys weren't the speakers. They weren't the big names in the industry. Well, Jeff Aker turned out to be from Calgary, and he does. he's the local head of the NSCA. So I've since gone to two of his provincial clinics and now I'm speaking at the one here, June 4th in Edmonton. If you're awesome. in Edmonton, yeah. come, come hang out there. I've got a really cool one. It's going to be on being a fitness writer. Uh, my friend, Tim Art, I went to his event in Spokane two years in a row. And then during the pandemic, when shit was really crazy last August, he asked if I would come down. You know, it was a bit of a headache coming out from Canada. I embraced it and I got a speaking engagement yeah. there. Meeting these guys and adding them to Facebook when I first met them. I had no intent of, Ooh, how can I benefit from this? There's just some like-minded people I enjoyed meeting. Uh, and then again, with Daniel, I met him at a RP event, which would have been in 2018 in Calgary. And so had him on social media and then we've interacted back and forth. And it was him that led me to, you know, put me in front of you, which led to Kabuki. Yeah. And these are people who, again, Brandon is really growing in the industry now and doing cool stuff and writing for a lot of big publications. When I met him, he wasn't in, in those places. So you mm-hmm. never know. And it's not just about going and making sure you spend some time with Chris Duffin if you meet him at an event. By the way, if you get a chance to meet Chris, hang out with him because he's he's quirky. He's he, 
you know, you get him, get him going, but he could often just kind of like want quiet time off to himself and not everybody's like swarming him. And I think maybe some people are intimidated because he's literally just one of the strongest humans to ever live. And he's actually one of the nicest guys. And I got a bunch of one-on-one time with him, right? That was super. So take advantage of meeting people who've accomplished a lot, but also look at the person who's sitting next to you metaphorically at these events. You don't know what, where they're from or where they're going. And it's not about, Hey, how can I benefit from all this stuff? support these people enjoy it because I love going to this kind of stuff. And I couldn't even imagine all of the good things that have happened in my career simply because I put myself in those environments. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're actually you're absolutely right. It's, it's, it is a, you really just don't realize what else could happen, but it does take intentional effort, you know, and networking and, and the likes for me is, is, is challenging just because I, I tend to be, more reserved in public settings. You know, I like to talk right now if I'm talking to you, but I will never go up to somebody and be like, so what do you do? What do you, you know, it's, it's a very strong, it's a big struggle for me, but it does take a lot of intentional effort. And same thing with writing. You know, you, you said this really well the first time I talked to you. I can't remember exactly how you phrased it, but you, 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 you talked about uh, writing articles as, as being like a career, um, like adding to your career. Yeah. Your career capital. And it's exactly right. Like um, I was telling you about, um, you know, an opportunity that just kind of fell into my lap because of an article that I wrote, you know, years ago. And I wrote an article on auto regulation like five years ago and a publisher reached out to me. He's like, hey, you want to turn this thing into a book? I'm like, oh, OK, yeah, sure. Maybe that sounds good. Um, but it, you just don't know unless you do those things. So like even for a lot of young coaches, like you just have to do stuff, share things, meet people. And of course, you know, figure out how to keep the lights on and do whatever you have to. But you just, you really got to go like above and beyond with all of those things. You know, I think you're a great example of it. You are, I mean, I, I really feel like uh, you're, you crush social media. I think you're probably one of the, the best, um, you know, among other things, probably one of the best uh, resources that people can look to for like how to actually do it well. So at least people that I know, you know, you, you do it and you speak on it well too. You can teach other people to do it. And I appreciate it because I, I do believe in being a good role model there because I think there are a lot of coaches out there who aspire. And again, I don't think everybody needs the massive following, but I also, I, I make fun of this too. It's like, you'll also be told you don't need, you know, a social, a large social media following by people who have a large social media following. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So yeah, again, I, there are headaches and pitfalls that come with it. Uh, and it, it certainly can take a lot of very intentional work. But mm-hmm. it has yielded some pretty impressive re- rewards. But there are also things that I value, and not everybody values the same thing. You are in a position, a leadership position within a company that doesn't necessitate that large social media brand. Because yeah. I'm very much an individual brand, and it has benefited me immensely in terms of my ability to speak in, at conferences Usually. and get writing yeah. opportunities and attract rather effortless, effortlessly. Uh, people who want to mentor with me, who want to do my online coaching and in-person coaching um, mm-hmm. because of the scope of the social media following. I totally agree. I, even for our coaches here, like it's not so crucial for them to have big followings because we, you know, we get clients and we, we send them to them, but I am a huge advocate for them to have their own personal brands. Like people need to know who you are in a good way. And that's, that's why I had a, I talked to you previously about, um, and we'll, we'll, we'll probably, um, uh, progress with this with you but having you come either come down or do a virtual like mentorship with these guys about how you built your brand because i mean 
they're not experts in that, but they, you know, we express how important it is. So even like, I am very fortunate that I'm not forced to to have a large social media. If I guarantee like if sort of like you, I, I guarantee you run your own social media kind of like a business. Like you, you plan it, you know what you're doing every day. You, you know, cause and effect to a lot of things. Um, and that's, you know, probably the approach that, that other people should take. Well, I can't give advice to that because I'm not that, you know, <laughs> I'll share a picture of the things that I barbecue or, or, or uh, our, our new puppy, but <laughs> well, that's, see, that stuff's important too, because that's part of people knowing who you are because people yeah. follow you because they, they want, they want to have a relationship with you, right? They want to feel connected to you and think mm-hmm. of the big accounts. Like look at some of the crazy shit that Chris is always sharing, right? He's on, he's working out on the back of that that truck or he's yeah, all yeah. messing with stuff. And what is he like put together the front of his house recently? And you know, that's going to really appeal to well, power lifters are going to love it, but you get anybody who's like into DIY type stuff, mm. you know, they're going to be like, Oh man, this guy's, this guy's it. This is, this is the the person I need to, you know, need to connect with. Right. I, I feel yeah. um, that we're part of the same tribe. So mm-hmm. there is an importance in letting people know a lot about you, right? Me, I'm okay. I can barbecue a good steak, but I'm not a connoisseur when it comes to the barbecue. And I've got a cat. Like I, I have a ton of ladies in my DMs who love my cat Ozzy. Yeah, I believe that. Right. Uh, my girlfriend's like, oh, these girls are your DMs. Are like <laughs> these ladies are they're just they're fans of the cat. Um, <laughs> yeah. Right. Keep me out of trouble. Anyway, brother, <laughs> um, I really hope that people will go check out your media, go follow Brandon yeah, and yeah. Um, for anybody who may have found me on the podcast for the first time through Brandon's media, well, I had Chris Duffin on recently as well. So you might want to go start there. Scroll back. And if you like this, look at who else I've had as, as guests. I've had a lot of the who's who of the industry. You might want to stick around. I, I got to earn the subscription, but I hope that you'll check out more. And, and thank you for continually tuning in for my longtime listeners. Thanks, Brandon. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me.